This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, the high costs of cancer treatment and the toll it takes on patients. So it was World Cancer Day on the 4th of February. Uh, so there have been uh, a number of different uh, stories and coverage around the uh, various um, various facets of you know the disease, living with it. Um, but the cost is one aspect that has come up a lot. And one headline that's been getting a lot of attention um, is uh, this this uh, this finding that some cancer patients have had to turn to loan sharks to pay for treatment costs um, and are now being relentlessly pursued for payment. So this comes from Cancer Survivors Malaysia founder Zuraini Kamal. And uh, she said that based on their records over the past year, that there were cancer patients entangled in loan shark debts due to health-related issues. Um, and specifically uh, talked about five cancer patients who are identified to have borrowed from loan sharks. Um, and one of them has already received financial financial assistance and support from the organization. But this actually opens up um, the larger conversation around the high costs of cancer treatment and how, for the most part, our healthcare system is struggling to meet those costs. Yeah, so I think this is actually a, a kind of a universal problem when it comes to healthcare. Um, but uh, and I, I don't know if it's just related to um, cancer, but any kind of catastrophic health, uh, you know, problem does lead individuals into potentially financial uh, troubled waters. Right, partly because even with the public healthcare system, there are all kinds of things that you still have to buy on your own and so on and so forth that's not covered by government, and and therefore those things can pile up depending on your own personal resources, right? And also maybe because of the catastrophic uh, condition, you might not be able to work. So there's there's not only the cost on one side, but is maybe even a cessation of your earning capacity, right? So, so all these, I think, are there. But, you know, uh, to hear that people have to go to loan sharks, which is like the worst of the worst in terms of uh, kind of financial assistance, right? Because uh, it comes with high uh, interest payments and also... Uh, and it's not just you know red paint splashed on your front door. I mean that would be the least of it, right? So I, I wonder though. I mean, what the reality on the ground is. So according to Cancer Society Malaysia, there are about thirty thousand cancer patients under them, but they are only able to provide assistance for about three thousand cancer patients a year. Um, and you know, you you pointed to some of those things, right? Cancer, um, unlike. I think one of the things about cancer is that on the one hand, it can require some pretty expensive intervention. The other is that for many people, it's a long journey. Uh, it can be a long journey. It's a recurring journey. Um, and it involves, as you said, loss of income potentially, having to deal with the psychological impact, the, the physical uh, side effects of going through the therapy. So there are many reasons why finance is both essential, but also quite difficult to meet. There's another thing, of course, if we talk about the cost of healthcare as if it wasn't also, in some sense, a political or a corporate, you know, uh, uh, decision, right? So some corporations are making huge profits 
off uh, certain drugs, right, for instance. And unless government steps in and finds ways of regulating big pharma, uh, you know, then they claim that they need to make those super profits. And so, yeah, I think it's not clear also that on the cost side, things need to be as costly as they are. It's a question of really the setup of the system, right? I mean, why is it that uh, some drugs are sold at such a high cost and, um, and you know, did the, were those drugs in fact developed, for instance, through public funding uh, of research? So we are going to talk about the uh, high cost of cancer treatment. Uh, and for that, we will be joined shortly by Dr. Murli Dharan Munasami, Director of the National Cancer Society Malaysia. But we want to hear from you. Should the government be investing more in public health care? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bring forth Malaysia. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about um, the financial burden that hits many cancer patients uh, in the process of seeking treatment. Um, according to some reports, uh, some people even turning to loan sharks. So we want to hear from you. Should the government be investing more in public health care? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Joining us now is Dr. Murli Dharan Munisami, Director of the National Cancer Society Malaysia. Uh, good to have you with us, Dr. Murli. Good evening. How are you guys? We're good. Thank you. How are you? Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, not so bad. <laughs> Just uh, kind of uh, continuing on the World Cancer Day kind of buzz. You sound like you're caught in a sto- uh, snowstorm. Oh, sorry, no, I'm letting it <laughs> okay. So, Dr. Murley, uh, there have been these reports recently of cancer patients resorting to loan sharks because of treatment costs. In your experience, how prevalent is this? Okay, so um, uh, you really need to break the kind of uh, um, uh, way we're looking at cancer patients because they're not really homogenous. So we, there's the, the B40 patients who really, um, even though they're getting treatment in public hospitals, and public hospitals, you know, you're, you're looking at almost 90% subsidized care, they, they can't even afford to pay those kind of smaller bills and, of course, the accompanying kind of uh, loss of income. So that actually pushes them into needing to get financial assistance. So it's not so much the treatment that pushes them into it, but it's the accompanying loss of income and, you know, the, the fact that uh, they, they need, like, supportive care maintenance and all that. That really is the one that forces them to go to uh, loan sharks. And within the B40 group, Sadly enough, you're looking at maybe about uh, my patients, uh, cancer society's patients, you're looking at about 25% who end up having to have some kind of, uh, I, I mean, um, they have to take a short-term financial loan with some kind of, either it's a credit card, so like at very high interest. Lah. So it could be a loan chart, could be a credit card loan, uh, that kind of uh, outcome. So for the middle-income people, where it starts to hurt is because they would have some sort of insurance, and with that insurance, they usually get the initial part of the treatment lifted, which is the surgery, um, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, this kind of kind of gets lifted off by insurance. And then, in depending on what their stage of, of cancer is, usually if they're in advanced stage, and, and keeping in mind six 
80% of all Malaysians are diagnosed in advanced cancer stages of 3 and 4, they're going to need really expensive therapy. And this kind of the, the middle-term to long-term maintenance therapy, that is the one that, that pretty much uh, chalks up a big bill. So but like towards, say after about six to eight months, these people are needing to have to resort to really uh, like uh, mortgages, uh, credit card loans, and inevitably then they they go into needing uh, uh, how to say uh, needing to take uh, loans from loan sharks. Now, Dr. Marilli, it does sound like a very smart move, right? Maybe it's a desperate move to go to a loan shark. But whether you're B40 or M40, what are the broader uh, sort of financial support accessibility systems are there for uh, people with cancer in Malaysia? Okay, so uh, quite a bit coming from different packets. So for one, uh, one uh, good kind of support system is, of course, for the B40 there is the Jabatan Kebajikan Masyarakat. It it pays up to about it can pay up to about two thousand ringgit a month per person, uh, and that helps to kind of uh, lift your cost of living issues, lah. Uh, in that sense, and keeping in mind that the B40 are not really being treated uh, at expensive therapeutics, they're not the ones having a high cost of drugs, right? Um, so for M40, unfortunately, and I think. We, I, I, I mean, even on BFM, uh, we, we keep on hearing this kind of problem cropping up. The M40 doesn't really have a safety net. So, um, uh, what is this? Sometimes we have small, like, how to say, small pockets of relief. For example, uh, things like uh, there are charity organizations that pitch in to support some to defray the cost of certain drugs, including the Cancer Society does it, the Rotary, uh, the, the Rotary, uh, Foundation and, and Rotary Clubs do it. So, uh, many other organizations have to kind of defray the cost. Uh, some uh, uh, some people uh, do get some kind of assistance from Zakat and other religious bodies who help to kind of defray the cost of the drugs, but really not so much in terms of cost of living. And that and that's where like they have almost no recourse. So. Actually, why is our public healthcare system not meeting these needs? Where is it falling short? Because couldn't these pers- uh, patients turn to our government facilities for care? Okay, so and uh, so this is uh, like a, a perennial issue across all of healthcare, not only cancer. Because uh, uh, what's what's kind of happened is, uh, and this has really been exacerbated by COVID. A lot of people now don't have the kind of insurance uh, foundational support. Meaning they don't have uh, their employer insurance, or they've kind of lost the capacity to pay for private insurance. So they have no choice but to go to public health care. Public health care, about 70 to 75 percent of all Malaysians will seek tertiary health care, meaning um, hospital level health care, in the government, in the public sector. And the public sector ain't able to take it because we have we practice an open door policy. We basically take in everyone, and uh, unfortunately, our facilities as well as our personnel, we're, we're just short in terms of numbers. They, 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 how to say, that, that's all we've been at the short, and, short end of that stick for quite a while. So as a result, people end up having to wait for a long time for treatment, 
and I'm not talking about the queues in the ED. I'm like waiting times like months to get scans, uh, months to get surgeries, uh, people having to, to come out from, say, Klantan to KL for treatment. So all this is, is kind of uh, really congest the system. Uh, I think just today I, I was reading that uh, the waiting times to get a, to get a, a heart kind of, uh, uh, I think, coronary stent is going up to about six months in government. So it's, it's across every sector of healthcare, and, and that, that's the real challenge. Interestingly, we have the capacity in the country, but it's just right across the road in our private centers. So what, what we really, in, in terms of, uh, a, a, an, I wouldn't say a quick fix, but a short-term to mid-term fix would be not about building so many new hospitals in the government, but rather about how do we get services available like in the private sector to be able to uh, kind of uh, service government patients or public sector patients. I think that that is the perennial fix that we are looking for. Yeah, I mean, this is a larger question of whether, you know, there's an effort in some sense to run down our public health system to prop up the private health care system. But I don't want to get into that. I mean, I know it's Absolutely. a big story, right? Uh, I, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too big. A, 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 it's existential, that one. <laughs> that one is existential, right. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, waiting times. So, because yeah. a lot of people are saying they have to go to private health care because of the waiting times in the public health care system. But could you walk us through some of the... Is is it that if you were like in stage four cancer, wouldn't you be the first to be treated uh, as opposed to somebody who's, who can wait? Uh, so, okay, there is, there is for sure in, in all of medicine a clinical triaging system, okay, where, you know, the, the most severe cases get seen, uh, get seen quicker, okay? So in terms of when it comes to, like, say, scans, for example, um, I, I'm going to just give you, like, um, uh, off-the-pocket kind of numbers. You're looking at a CT scan machine in a, in a government hospital, um, and um, if you have one CT scan machine, it can maybe do six to eight patients a day, okay? Um, I mean, some hospitals, they push it to, like, 10 or, or 12 patients a day, but that, that's just uh, as many patients that you can take uh, per machine per day, and, and machines run five days a week, uh, right? Uh, and and you, you see outpatients who need scans, you need inpatients who need scans, there are patients who continue to get sicker in ICU, they may have got a scan on Wednesday, they may need another scan again on Thursday, so they, they get prioritized first, and uh, people waiting to get like surgeries for cancer, for example, they actually have to have, have their scans done first, and then only the surgeries can be planned. So these are things like which, which causes delays. The same with operation theaters. We have theaters, but you need surgeons to be able to operate, and the more complex the cancer, the more like higher level skilled uh, surgeon that you need, and in many cases, uh, different like areas of surgery, we have maybe one or two chaps only, uh, or, or, or uh, people in the country who can actually uh, operate in, in the public sector. So all these are what causes delays in the system. Could you tell us about, um, well, I know that the cost can vary widely, but if you could give us an idea from diagnosis to treatment plan to hospital choice, uh, what about a range of potential costs for different scenarios? Okay, so uh, are you talking across the public uh, and the private? Yes, if possible. 
Okay, so uh, don't forget now public is not public. There's public Ministry of Health and public as in Ministry of Higher Education because those rates now are different as well. They're widely, widely divergent as well now. Um, and within the Ministry of Higher Education, uh, there are private wings or private centers, what we now call specialist centers, and then the, the uh, public wings, which are the, the medical centers. So, like, for example, University Malaya Medical Center is the, is the public wing, and University Malaya Specialist Center is a private wing. Um, so, and, and uh, within government, the public sector Ministry of Health Center, from, uh, say, from diagnosis, to um, completion of, of uh, treatment, you could do it in, I, I would be pitching it wildly if I say it was, uh, if it exceeded 10,000, I'd be, be very, very surprised. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but so you're looking at about a 30, about 20% increase, again, very What is the cost within the Ministry of Higher Education public wings? Um, but the Ministry of Higher Education private wings, and the, uh, they're still the private wings of the of the Ministry of Higher Education uh, facilities are still cheaper than like absolute absolute private, uh, but. Uh, they, they, they're almost competitive with the smaller private centers, and those you are all looking at at above 50,000 uh, to 100,000 already. And of course, uh, with the, the uh, private private centers, yeah, you are looking uh, at costs uh, in the six digits and above. Again, one of the major differences is the types of therapies. And, and I think Riley Sertang Sharad was talking about the cost of these new drugs. These are things that are not available in the Ministry of Health in the, in the public sector. Yeah, Murali, sorry, uh, apologies uh, all around for the bad audio. We're going to try and correct that. But Murali, I want to ask you about whether the fix, because you, as you mentioned, you know, these costs vary and even in the private sector, uh, sorry, in the public sector, there are all these other different types of uh, systems. Uh, will insurance uh, provide relief all round? And do we have that? Is there enough healthcare insurance out there to cover, uh, you know, the eventuality of something like a catastrophic condition of cancer? Okay, so penetration of health insurance is miserable. We're looking still at about 22 to 25 percent of the population who actually has uh, health insurance. A lot of people have life insurance, but as you know, life insurance is useless as long as you're alive. Uh, it's helpful for the next person in line. Uh, but in terms of treatment for disease, you, you need health insurance and penetration is really poor. What's also kind of uh, coming around is um, people from my generation, say about 20 years ago, when we started working, the insurance kind of coverage ceiling was at about 100,000. So you could get a, like you would pay an expensive premium and the top of market at that time in terms of coverage was about 100,000 ringgit, uh, which, as you know, does nothing in terms of uh, paying for treatment today. Unfortunately, my generation of people are now the generation that are starting to get cancer, you know, and, and they have lived in the complacency. I, I mean, I'm even referring to myself most times. Uh, we've lived in the complacency that, hey, I've been covered, I've been paying my premiums, I've been doing well, uh, to only find out that, our coverage, which was top of the line at that time, is useless now. 
today, of, of course, the, in, in the industry has corrected. They've corrected, compensated, and newer premiums, if you notice, for, of which are about the same price as what we paid those days. Uh, and top-of-line uh, coverage now is about $2 million. Some are doing $2 million annual, $1 million annual, which then is enough. But the people who are subscribing to that are too young to get cancer. What you're seeing now is in, in my, like perhaps the, the 40s, uh, is the effects of having uh, poorer insurance coverage, but that's really historical from 20 years ago. Dr. Murley, we have only about a minute left. I'm asking a big question. What sort of reform do we need to ensure better financial accessibility for cancer care? Okay, for the first one is uh, we need some kind of uh, social health insurance. If I'm going to go out on limb, some kind of health insurance that will enable poorer patients, middle-income patients, to bridge and get care across in in uh, private centres. Private centres need to be able, we need to purchase care uh, through the public system to use the capacity we have in the private system. That's the short-term fix. And then while we, we cost-correct, of course, uh, there needs to be efforts to bring down costs of uh, treatment overall. So the government really needs to step in to regulate the cost of care. And that's, and that's what the Ministry of Health needs to increasingly move to, becoming a stronger regulator rather than a provider. Dr. Murli, thanks for speaking with us today. Okay, thank you. That was Dr. Murli Daran Munisami, Director of the National Cancer Society Malaysia. Uh, do weigh in. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.